calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, and welcome to this episode of CFA Institute's Take 15. I'm Steve Horan, here at our 2010 Private Wealth Management Conference in Singapore. And I'm joined here today by Dan DiBartolomeo, President of Northfield Information Services, a provider of analytical and information services for high net worth and institutional investors. Dan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Steve. You'll be speaking at the conference later today about asset liability management. And the first thing that comes to my mind is I thought that was an analytical framework for pension fund managers, not private wealth managers. Well, the real issue is that every financial entity, whether it be a large institution like a pension or an endowment or an individual household, has plans to spend that money someday on something. And we can think about those planned consumption expenditures and the need to fulfill them. We can take the present value of those things and think of it like an accounting liability, even if it's not something that would be normally recognized as a liability by traditional accounting standards. How important is the discount rate in estimating the size of the consumption liabilities in the ALM framework? Well, I think for households, there's really two things you have to think about. One is that different liabilities of different importance to the household can be discounted at different rates. If I want to save money for retirement, I want to be very sure that I have that money available to me when I need it. So I want to discount that liability to present value at a low risk-free rate. On the other hand, if I wanted to save money to leave a legacy, perhaps, to my university, I could discount that at a higher rate because, frankly, if it doesn't happen, my university will survive without it. It's, not, it's a non-essential consumption expenditure, whereas retirement is probably, by most people, considered extremely essential. Good point. So if we accept this in the ALM framework, how does our analysis change? Well, really two things. We may have multiple discount rates. We also, in our process, have to recognize the fact that discount rates can change. Interest rates rise, interest rates fall, the opportunity for successful investment in the long run may change. So that we really have to think about the present value of liabilities, not as a financial value, but rather a distribution of values, which may arise and, and, and fluctuate based on changes in conditions that will occur in our uncertain future. Does that mean that our traditional mean variance analysis is no longer useful? No, not at all. Uh, in fact, the simplest way to think about liabilities is that a liability is an asset that we have a negative quantity of. If you think about a bond portfolio, the key thing about a bond portfolio is that you have inward cash flows. If you think about a short position in a bond, that is owning a negative quantity, 
It's a cash outflow. And so we can always think about our future consumption liabilities simply as a bond that we own a negative amount of. So if we're going to focus on consumption and cash outflows, it seems that we would also want to incorporate the effect of taxes in our framework. Absolutely. Uh, we definitely want to be thinking about after-tax returns. And the simplest way to do that is to think about every investment opportunity or every asset class as having different degrees of attractiveness, different degrees of risk, depending on whether the asset is being held in a taxable account, a tax-exempt account, or a tax-deferred account. So instead of a traditional asset allocation that might involve three asset classes, we'll have nine asset classes, each of the original three asset classes times three potential tax regimes under which those assets can be held. How do taxes affect the risk of our investments? Well, interestingly enough, in most countries, if an investor makes an investment and loses money, they get a tax deduction for that. So the spread of returns, the volatility of returns associated with after-tax investing is typically smaller than pre-tax investing. In some sense, if I lose money, I get a tax refund, and that helps cushion the blow. And we should take that into account in our choices in terms of how much money we allocate to different assets or different securities. That's somewhat novel to think about tax authorities as absorbing some of our investment risk. Really, uh, if you want to think about it in a conceptual economic sense, tax authorities are like our partners. If we make money, they get a share of the profits. If we lose money, they refund to us some of the taxes that we would otherwise pay. Keeping this idea of risk on the table, how does the ALM framework capture higher moments of risk, such as skewness and kurtosis, that we've seen exhibited in the financial markets lately? Well, I think there's a couple things you can do. The first one is to redefine volatility in first what we call first passage terms. When we think about the volatility of returns of a particular asset or asset class, we typically describe that as units, percentage units per annum. And we might think about a five-year return or a five-year holding period. Um, on the other hand, we have to ask ourselves a different question. What's the likelihood that at any time in the next five years, I might suffer a loss of a certain size? It's not to say that I will have lost that money five years from now, because I could have a situation where the market declines and then rises again. The key is, what do I do during the decline? So first passage risk must be greater than traditional end of period risk because there's more opportunity to fall beneath a threshold. Is that correct? That's correct. Not only does um, first passage volatility have larger magnitudes, it also increases over time. Whereas traditional ways of thinking about volatility good years and bad years will sort of even out. And so our per general perception is that volatility narrows the longer we hold assets. Once we go into that first passage framework, that's not necessarily true. Dan, these are great thoughts about asset liability management and risk. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Steve. And thank you. To browse our collection of other multimedia products, visit us on the web at cfawebcasts.org.
Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.